Welcome to the Wealthy Circle Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into this year's finalists and winners from our wealthmanagement.com 2020 Industry Awards. These interviews cover the challenges, innovations, and trends in the wealth management industry and the individuals working to help advisors better help their clients. Hello, and thanks for joining us. I'm David Armstrong, and this is the Wealthies Podcast. We hold these series of conversations with winners of our WealthManagement.com Industry Awards, meant to recognize businesses that build initiatives which help financial advisors do their jobs better and create better outcomes for their clients. And today, I'm thrilled to be speaking with Aaron Klein. Aaron is the founder and CEO of Riskalyze. Aaron, thanks a lot for joining us. Great to be with you, David. In many ways, well known to our audience, but uh, if you want to just take a quick step back and tell us a little bit about Riskalyze, uh, yourself, the company, maybe just give us the quick backstory, uh, sure. and we can get started from there. Yeah, absolutely. There's always there's always new people coming into the wealth management audience, despite the fact that we've, I think, had the distinct pleasure of winning something like seven or eight wealthies. It might it might have crossed ten. I'm not sure. We got to go take a look. But uh, we've got a lot. Yeah, I think it might have been from the very we've got beginning. A lot of wealthies hardware floating around the building around here. So uh, so it's 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 good stuff, and we're we're grateful for that opportunity. But well deserved, well deserved. Uh, thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. So Riskalyze got started uh, in 2011. We're 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 going to turn 10 next year, and built around the idea that. Financial advisors have needed better tools to understand uh, where clients are coming from in terms of risk and how to manage risk to match up with and align with where clients want to go. The challenge that we always have is that in this industry, we tend to use these um, qualitative kind of subjective terms like conservative and moderate and aggressive. And the problem is, is that it's really difficult to figure out if we all mean the same thing when we say those words. There's a reason why you know, contractors building a building don't say they want a moderately conservative hallway leading to their moderately aggressive conference room. They use feet and inches, you know, to bring buildings together. And so it's been our belief that if you can build, help a financial advisor build a short-term framework to help their clients understand and react to risk appropriately, that can transform a fearless investor who makes bad short-term decisions, like like telling their advisor they want to sell when times are tough or, um, or adjust their portfolio and take risk out when there's a little bit of volatility, it can transform that fear, fearful investor who makes bad short-term decisions into a fearless investor who makes great short-term decisions. And great short-term decisions are the foundation that amazing financial advisors use to build great long-term financial outcomes. So that's really what we're all about. We, we build risk alignment software uh, for financial advisors to do that. We, we also do portfolio analytics and investment research, helping financial advisors manage risk and how they construct portfolios. We build trading automation software, helping advisors rebalance and keep client accounts on track and do that in a very unique uh, and, and efficient way. And so we've really built a wealth management platform that kind of has risk at the core and that was a controversial decision in 2011, but given the events of 2020, that's less of a controversial decision today. Uh, and I think that, you know, we're a wealth management platform that's kind of made for these times. Yeah, for sure. And, and you started as the, uh, as everyone knows, that's the, the risk number people, uh, right? The, yeah. the folks who had the risk number and popularized that notion. Uh, yeah. And then, as you say, have expanded into many different parts of the advisor workflow. One of the things, um, well, first of all, I just want to say, first of all, congratulations to Matt Stone, right? Uh, you're Absolutely. One of our, you know, chief, technology, 
chief technology officer of the year this year at our wealth management. That's right. And, you know, we, we told them, Hey, Matt, you know, you've been CTO of the year for us nine years in a row, but um, (laughs) you know, now, now for the industry, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So his spirit will sort of hover over all this stuff, right? Because, uh, uh, you know, everything you do is is technology, but uh, uh, one thing that uh, you won the award for this year was uh, as you kind of move out into that broader advisor workflow for the connected trading that you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, That was in our innovation, innovation platform you won for the technology providers. And that was a tough category. There were about 10 firms with initiatives in that category. The judges picked connected trading. Tell us what problem you saw for advisors that you were trying to solve with rolling out this initiative. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So so first and foremost, we we started building that trading automation platform and we came at it from from kind of a unique perspective. We said there's a lot of these rebalancing products out there and first of all, they're very inflexible and they're rigid and they're difficult to use because they don't really operate the way an advisor works. They're kind of trying to stick a square peg into a round hole and they they want to force an advisor to make everything into a model. And so you open up a ton of these rebalancing tools and you'll find 600 models because the advisors had to build a different model for each client and each client account. And that's just, it's just a really inflexible way of working. Uh, and then, you know, what those tools generally generate are, are kind of a spreadsheet of trades. And you're kind of digging through the spreadsheet to decide which of these trades you want to go execute and which you don't. And it's just a little bit of a mess. And so we, we tried to re-envision that at first and just go, First and foremost, like let's create a really flexible architecture that works the way that the advisor wants to work. Uh, because advisors want to trade the way they advise. They don't want to advise the way they trade, right? And so uh, so we, we first... You that. Well, you know, like if you're having to change your advice to fit your trading system, that's not really the way it's supposed to work. You should be right. changing how you trade to fit the way that you think is optimal to advise your client. So we want to we want to focus on understanding how the advisor wants to advise and then adapting the trading tool to really make that optimal for the advisor. And then we shifted from kind of a spreadsheet dynamic to an intelligent inbox of decisions. So, you know, our trading product surfaces the risk number drift for an account or model changes for an account or cash distributions that need to be made or maybe tax harvesting that needs to happen. And the advisor can just, with a click, you know, snooze or approve those decisions. And so that, that's what we rolled out at the very beginning with the trading automation platform. It was very well received. It started growing very nicely. But one of the things that, that happened there is that, you know, by default, it's spitting out a spreadsheet. The advisor can go and keep their custodial workflow exactly the same. They can log in and, and punch in their trading tickets on TD Veo or on LPL Client Works or any of the custodial platforms they might be using. The, you know, the other option is many of these platforms have automated files and we support their automated file format. So you can download a file uh, with all the buys and sells count numbers that you want to impact there. And you can upload that file into the custodial platform. And it's, it definitely saves uh, some time, uh, but it can be a little bit more complicated because there's some rules around well, what's called block trading that the advisor has to do if they're going to try to execute a large volume of trades at the same time. Uh, so it's a little bit more technical if you're going to use automated files. And so one of the things that we realized there was just a great opportunity to do was, was to really revolutionize that, that portion of the process that is trade delivery. And we went and partnered with our good friends over at Fix Flyer. 
uh, who run uh, you know one of the world's most advanced FIX trading networks. Now, for those who don't know, FIX is a protocol that firms use to send trading information back and forth between digital systems, right? So, so we're going to use you know the FIX protocol to send trades from the Riskalyze trading product over to a custodian like TD Ameritrade or Schwab or Fidelity or Pershing or LPL or any of these different custodians. That's the theory behind this. Well, to do that, you need a really great fixed trading network. And uh, FixedWire uh, runs one of the most advanced fixed trading networks in the world. Lots of, lots of great firms have built on top of that. So we partnered with them and built the connected trading feature on top of the fixed trading network that, that Flyer operates. And so it, it really is quite a magical experience that we've kind of built and, and a unique experience that we've built on top of their, of their fixed trading network. So the way it works for an advisor is you, you, know, you get a fixed connection activated by your custodian, and we connect that over the fixed, uh, you know, the, the, the flyer trading network. And then we activate the connected trading feature. So it's quite simple for you when, you know, when you click the execute button inside of Riskalyze, instead of dropping a file to your desktop, it literally pops up and shows how we're transmitting those trades across to your custodian uh, or custodians, because you can use this multi-custodial at the same time. And then it does all the work of allocating those trades out to client accounts. Again, in real time, it's all visible to the advisor in real time. So you can actually see how the trades are filling and how they're allocating through to client accounts. And it's just a one-click, easy, simple process. And it's a, it's a really elegant and, and easy process to, to leverage. Uh, and one that advisors have really loved. And so, yeah, that was the big innovation that we uh, submitted uh, for Wealthy's consideration. And we're really grateful to have the opportunity to take home the trophy there for innovation for connected trading. Yeah, the judges definitely recognized it. I, I, and it sounds like, I don't want to say it sounds like a small thing, so it's not, but I mean, uh, you know, in order to like, so we're executing the trades basically yeah. on the uh, advisor platform as opposed to having them upload the spreadsheet or whatever into the uh, custodial thing themselves. But it's not a small thing, right? When you consider the number of clients that the advisor has, the number of times they would have to do those across client accounts. Uh, and so this is, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a technology, but it's it's a time saver, right? Is that, yeah, no, is that the, I, I, absolutely right. And I, I, I would say like some of the biggest innovation sounds very simple, right? When we, when we think about things that we do, for example, with the smartphone in our pocket, it feels really simple. And yet there are layers and layers of technologies that had to be created uh, and then integrated uh, to try to make that experience possible. Some of the simplest things that we do with a smartphone are built on top of processor technologies and battery technologies uh, and memory technologies that all have to come together in an integrated way for them to work. And the same was true of this. We couldn't have built this feature without something like our partners at FixFlyer with an amazing fixed trading network. We couldn't have built this capability without great partners at our, at our custodian partners who are connecting up these fixed connections for their advisory clients. I, I think this feature also really requires a revolutionary user experience that uh, that makes it simple for the advisor to understand how to do this across what is, as you pointed out, potentially hundreds of accounts running across multiple custodians uh, affecting large numbers of clients. And small changes can make a big ripple uh, effect. A really good example is an advisor may decide that they want to reduce, uh, let's say, their emerging markets exposure okay, across their models. Mm -hmm. And so they might go in and tweak you know, seven uh, models that they've built for various client accounts. 
with riskalyzed trading, they're able to you know very flexibly apply those models. Sometimes they apply multiple models within an account. Sometimes they lock some uh, some some key positions in an account and trade a model around that, etc. But you know, they make that decision to reduce emerging market exposure in six or seven models. That could have a ripple effect across three or four hundred uh, accounts spread across three custodians. And frankly, that would be something that some of the legacy trading tools that exist, you're talking about four or five, six hours of work. And with connected trading, that's literally as simple as clicking the approve button and clicking execute and watching all of those trades fill across those custodians and hundreds of accounts. It's very, very powerful, uh, even though the technology certainly makes it look simple. Yeah, well, that's the that's the trick, right? The, the technology makes it look simple. Yeah. When you guys are building this stuff out, how much uh, uh, effort or time or thought uh, do you guys give to, we always talk about the end client uh, experience being yeah. uh, of prim- primary importance, right? Uh, they're used to Amazon, they're used to Uber, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But for the advisor, there's a case to be made that uh, advisors need to improve their internal user de facto, I guess, uh, experience for the internal advisors. How much time do you guys give to thinking about that? I mean, it's a, I know in their uh, original trading platform, you know, execute or snooze kind of easy option button. Yeah. You know, is it, is this something that you guys consciously think about? Yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's something that has kind of been baked into our DNA from the very beginning. We just kind of said, you know, if, if we can build technology that is truly a delight to use, uh, that really changes the game for how even users like advisors who are, you know, obviously business people, they, they know what they're doing with financial advice and they know what they're doing uh, in general around technology. But if you can make technology a real delight to use, uh, it can be an absolute game changer for, for driving adoption, for driving growth. And, you know, in our case, one of the things that we realized is that, uh, you know, I, most likely an advisor is not showing their client something like the connected trading feature. But a lot of the tools that we build are things that advisors swivel their screen around and show to their clients. And so we think about that across everything that we design. Our, our mantra has been, we want to make sure that the technology doesn't become an end in itself. We think that the technology needs to be a means to an end. And really, that means that the technology needs to fade into the background so that the brilliance of the advisor's work can shine through. Our goal is not to, you know, kind of make Riskalyze famous to, uh, you know, an end client, end consumer. Uh, our goal is to really make sure the brilliance of the advisor's work shines through, through the analytics, the risk number, the, the Riskalyze GPA, all the different pieces of the puzzle that help demonstrate the effectiveness of that advisor's work on the behalf of their client. Yeah. I, I just think it's something that gets less attention is these kind of internal enterprise facing interfaces yep. that, you know, people working on the platform internally deal with. Doesn't get as much attention when it comes to user design. No, I, I, absolutely I, I right. And I, I, I would tell you, you know, our, our, our product teams think about that very intentionally and just say, well, if we can deliver this kind of ethos on the pieces that a client might see, there's no reason that we can't deliver with that level of ethos on the pieces that an advisor is using day to day and just build really delightful products that they love to use. And we could get into an entire discussion why that's important for advisory firms who are looking to hire junior advisors. Great point. To step into a, Great you know. point. I did want to ask though also about uh, uh, you guys uh, 
put out there the next generation risk assessment. This was also yeah. a winner in client profiling this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had great, great success with the risk number. That's what you built the business on. What was the impetus behind revisiting the uh, risk assessment? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a big undertaking. The internal code name for that was RQ6. So that's probably a, a little signal that we've, we've done that before, right? Uh, the sixth generation of the of the risk questionnaire. And what's interesting is that over that time, the methodology behind the risk questionnaire really has not changed extensively. A few tweaks here or there, but honestly, like the, the same heartbeat that sits behind the risk number in 2011 and in 2013 when the advisor product came out of beta uh, is, is the, the same, you know, kind of heartbeat of the risk number that sits behind it today in 2020 with the next gen risk assessment. But we really did want to reinvent uh, some of the of, of the workflow and the user experience of that. It was just time to to give it a little bit of a refresh. And one of the things that we'd realized is over time, we had built a simple version of the questionnaire uh, that was just a little bit less involved and didn't take quite as much effort on the part of the end client uh, to do. What we found is advisors loved the the detailed questionnaire, but they would only do that one in person with their clients, uh, and, and they loved the rigor uh, around it, and and just kind of like the, the the kinds of conversations that would pop out of their of their clients when they took them through the detailed questionnaire. But the detailed questionnaire had the propensity of you know maybe confusing. Uh, at least some clients from time to time. And that's why we built the simple questionnaire to create the ability for advisors to hand a simpler version of that to clients. And, and maybe it didn't generate the unique conversations or unique insights on the part of the client, but it still got the job done and gave them an accurate risk number with which to work. So the challenge that we really gave ourselves with NextGen was, let's try and bring these together, right? Like let's, let's, be, um, let's spend a lot of time interviewing advisors and interviewing with their permission, their clients to drill in and really understand uh, the thought process that was, you know, going through their minds as they went through the workflow and, and thinking about how to ensure that we could kind of stick the landing of a questionnaire that had all the uh, rigor and detail of, of our old detailed questionnaire, but uh, was one that advisors felt comfortable sending to their clients to do on their own. I, we we knock on wood. It feels like we've kind of stuck the landing on that, and uh, the reviews on NextGen have been really really positive. Uh, so again, it's something that advisors love uh, sending to their clients to to do on their own, but it still is generating those really rich conversations where a client is is trying to you know is looking at the screen and deciding between risk and certainty for a particular uh, outcome with their money, their dollar amounts. And they're, you know, they're saying, well, gee, on the one hand, if I, you know, if I chose certainty there, I'd feel a lot safer. But on the other hand, if I don't take that risk, I probably am not going to be able to send my daughter to Harvard. And that's right. the kind of conversation that advisors love uh, to understand, you know, the motivations and interests of their clients so that they can build great plans that help their clients achieve dreams and goals that they never thought were possible. This gets into, the, I mean, the whole, and I know you guys have dug deep into this uh, kind of the, the history of behavioral finance and, and, yeah. and thinking about risk and, and how getting at a client's risk tolerance can change dramatically depending on sure. what questions you put in front of them. Yep. So, so I know you guys have done a lot of work on that. The other thing I wanted to speak to about here, I don't think it was quite a winner, but uh, uh, the volatility resource kit for advisors. Yeah. Something you put out last year, 
maybe about four or five months before it was actually <laughs> highly needed. And uh, it did. Yeah. It did seem rather prescient. That is true. I, I mean, you know, what's what's interesting about us is that we, you know, we, Advisor Product came out of beta in 2013. We've existed as a company since 2011. And 2011 was a, a, a big time sideways year in the market, you know, for the S&P. Uh, 2013 was a big time up year in the market for the S&P. And, you know, since then, we've just had year after year of, frankly, pretty bullish markets. And so it, we're, we're not, you know, we're not like perma bears, uh, like some of the people are out there. But we, we absolutely have had a sense of like, gosh, this is not going to last forever. Like we're going to have a bear market. The question is when. And it's, it was interesting for us because uh, we believed in our methodology. We believed, uh, we'd, we'd stress tested it. We believed we knew how it would perform in the face of a bear market. Uh, but we were we were preparing for that. And even like you said, 2019, some months before the, you know, kind of the 2020 crash that occurred, we we came out with this volatility resource kit because uh, we just thought, you know, the markets had had been a little jumpy and, and we just thought there were some great resources that we could put in front of advisors, reminding them, hey, when you're talking about a risk number and you're talking about a, por- a client portfolio, you know, the, the the talk track goes a little something like this. Hey, there's 5% of the risk that I can't quantify for you, right? That's the that's the black swans and, and things like that, that that you just cannot foresee. My job as your financial advisor is to control the 95% of the risk that we can quantify. So six months from today, if your portfolio is anywhere between you know, this, this negative number and this positive number, that would be normal behavior for this portfolio, okay? And when you set client expectations that way, um, and that's there, there were a lot of different pieces to the puzzle of that volatility resource kit that we were putting in advisors' hands. But bottom line is when you set client expectations that way and you help them see that you know markets don't always go up and portfolios don't always go up. And here's how we would think about what is normal for this portfolio. And if we're below that, that's a 5% probability event. That creates a level of trust and, and the right kind of expectations with a client. Uh, then fast forward several months into the the coronavirus crash of late February, early March, particularly Black Thursday in in, in March, and you know a couple of things happened there. Number one, uh, we heard from a, a lot of advisors. My goodness, I, my clients are are prepared for this. They're calm. Like this is kind of a, a bigger market correction and a bigger bear market than any of them really expected. Uh, but at the same time, they're kind of calm because they go, I get it. This is one of those 5% probability events you've been talking to me about and been preparing me for. Uh, and then knock on wood, you know, the methodology really stood up. And I think that, uh, you know, of course, nobody could have quite predicted the snapback that the markets had. Um, I would very much still call, uh, you know, March of 2020, a 5% probability event. But as it turns out, here we are about six months later, we're, st- we're still doing the research work on this, but very few of those portfolios actually ended up uh, below their six-month probability range because the, the markets ha- have had such a-, a fast kind of snapback recovery. And for crying out loud, we're, I believe we're still positive on the year across the S&P yeah. uh, and the Dow. Uh, certainly the NASDAQ is is up quite a bit. So it's, it's a very interesting year for the markets, but... Uh, yeah, I would say we we did not predict uh, this pandemic, but we were fortunate enough to put that volatility resource kit out late last year, and I think it paid off well. We're not out of the woods yet. That's still absolutely frothy, and absolutely, uh, and, you know, things could 
one could argue yeah, it's gonna uh, one could argue it's gonna stay there like it's a it's a very and that's kind of our view as well is I think that we've kind of set off a decade of risk there's a lot of really interesting risk is now kind of permeating everything a client is thinking about they're making risk mm-hmm. reward decisions about going to the grocery store right now right so right. Yep. you know it, it it just it just strikes me that I, I really do believe that the 2020s are, are going to be considered, uh, I guess, 100 years ago, it was the roaring 20s. And this year, you know, this 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 century, it's 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 the risk 20s. The risk 20s. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a good way to think of it, I think. And it'll be with us for a bit. You know, it, one of the things that I, I've always been impressed, and I, I know the judges are impressed with uh, what you guys do, is the way that you take all of your decisions from you I mean, your advisor first, right? Uh, yep. uh, you're, you're building these things for advisors Yep. Uh, and, and kind of taking that ability to arm the advisor to make better conversations with their clients. And that seems to be kind of underlying everything you, you do in a way. Yep. You're growing, you're getting success. Our, our advisors as an industry, I guess, let's talk about yeah. as an industry overall, uh, definitely moving in that direction. Cause I'll tell you, I still talk to a lot of advisors and a lot of uh clients of advisors who don't know what I do, but just friends out, whatever. Yep. Uh, and I'll ask them if they have a financial advisor and they'll say, yeah, my financial advisor is terrible. He hasn't done anything for me. My, my portfolio hasn't moved. You know, it seems yeah. like a lot of the conversation is still yeah. kind of around uh, portfolio performance. Yeah. Is your, is your, is your, uh, like a beach or whatever uh, about uh, risk tolerance and probability permeating to advisors at large, or are we still kind of stuck in a yeah, that, that's that's through. a that's a great question, and I, I I think you know it's it's on the one hand I feel like we feel very grateful for the fact that if you're an advisor who has chosen a risk solution to kind of put at the heart of your practice, and you've decided to embrace this third wave of putting risk at the center of how you communicate with clients instead of just performance or try to be a long-term investor and just don't pay attention to what's going on. Uh, you know, those are those are two approaches that are kind of in the past that are not working uh, for most advisors. And, you know, this third wave of putting risk at the center of how we engage with clients and helping clients better understand what to expect and how to value their advice based on the management of risk and the management of behavior and uh, and, and, and coaching you and helping you to make the right decisions. The advisors who, who've adopted that uh, have chosen Riskalyze, you know, 85 out of 100. We have about 85% market share uh, among the advisors who have chosen that risk solution. At the same time, we look out there and say, you know what's fascinating? Only about 9% of advisors have adopted that, that new approach. So there's still... of the market to go uh, where we're going to take this risk first approach into the marketplace and, and, and really change how advisors are engaging with their clients. It it, it is an interesting transition, but it's the similar, you know, it's the similar transition. Let me step back by the way and talk about these three waves, because I think that's actually really interesting. We didn't talk about that before, but you know, if you think about it, go back 30 years the only thing advisors would talk about was performance, right? They they would just I, my mutual fund's better than the other guy's mutual fund. We've got access to a I better investment team. Yeah, exactly. All these different advantages to get you uh, more alpha, right? More performance, and uh, you know that that kind of gave way. That's a very transactional relationship between clients and their advisors. That's you know for one thing they were mostly called brokers, right? That kind of gave way to saying, okay, like there's a better approach, which is we're going to try to think about people's goals and help plan them towards their goals, kind of be goals-based investing. 
And I would say that the only challenge with that second wave is this, okay? It, there's lots of value uh, to financial planning. There will be for a long, long, long time. But here's the thing. Where, where a lot of those advisors, I think, fall short is they they kind of say, you know, whenever the client asks them about their, their, their short-term returns, they deflect the question. They say, look, we're not in this to make short-term returns. We're in this to think long-term, okay? Try not to open your mail. Don't watch television. Just be a long-term investor. And there's little nuggets of truth in that advice, but the problem is humans are incapable of following it. Right. And so that that's why I really believe that the third wave is the risk first approach that says, you know, if we can equip every financial advisor to build this short term framework for their clients to understand and react to risk appropriately, that is how you transform these fearful investors who make those bad short-term decisions into fearless investors who understand how to make the right decisions. And ultimately it's the, it's, you know, I, I, I've been in rooms of advisors where I've, I've kind of asked how many of you help your clients make great long-term decisions, you know, hands will go up and I'll say, I'm sorry, it was a trick question. None of your clients make long-term decisions. They only make short-term decisions. You're in charge of long-term financial outcomes. That's your job. And what you need to deliver those long-term financial outcomes are clients who make great short-term decisions. And to get that, we have to get these clients to understand and react to risk appropriately so that when they're meeting up with you, they're not saying, oh, my advisor's awful. They haven't done anything for my portfolio recently. They're saying, oh, my advisor is great because they help me get context. They help me see that the right decision sometimes is to simply sit back and like stick with the plan that I made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. And uh, that's, a, that's a great, I like that three-way three uh, approach of looking at it. it. It strikes me too that it, and you guys I think are contributing to this, uh, helping to create a language around that conversation because I don't yeah. think that that really exists. Well that said. Clients can easily understand uh, and, and buy into. Yeah, well so said. I've, 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 I've had advisors tell us that the risk number is a form of community. It's a language. It's a form of communication yeah, yeah. for me with my clients because they just get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still a ways to go, unfortunately. But uh, that's for sure. But that's for sure. Ninety-one percent uh, of the market still hasn't picked a risk solution. <laughs> so we're we're excited to help them do that, and uh, excited to see that risk-first approach really sweep across the industry. And hey, this is the decade for it. That's right. The decade of risk. I, I like it. I like it. Aaron, thanks very much. This has been great. Uh, we're at the half hour. It's great chatting with you. I uh, hope Thank to see you in person sometime as soon as Absolutely. we can. Absolutely. Uh, you know, but if not, we'll probably bump into each other virtually at some Zoom event somewhere. Maybe. Hey, let, let's let's know. just plan on it at the Wealthies in 2021, okay? For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, uh, Sounds I'm, good. I'm counting on it. Okay. Uh, okay, great. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, David. This has been the Wealthiest Podcast, conversations with winners of our WealthManagement.com Industry Awards. I'm David Armstrong. Thank you for listening. And until next time, be well. This content has been made for information and educational purposes only. The views and opinions represent the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of WealthManagement.com.